is the Pilot Life Podcast, the show that covers all topics of aviation. My name is Ray Maldonado, professional pilot and instructor. Thanks for tuning in and making your choice to become a better pilot. In this show, we do not only motivate and inspire, but give insight to the aviation lifestyle. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another year of the Pilot Live Podcast. We're happy to have you guys here. Let me tell you, your all's feedback and your comments have been great the previous couple months. And that's what's been keeping this show alive and going. So today's episode is going to be slightly different than what you guys are used to. Today's episode was actually recorded in the airplane. It was with the guy that I have flown with the absolute most the previous year. A great first officer, great guy, and an even better pilot. He'll be sharing with you all how exactly he went about his flight training. It was a little different than mine, but you all could go ahead and see that perspective of another pilot. Let's go ahead and get started here with our special guest, Zach. How did you know that you wanted to start to learn how to fly and all that? Did it start with your dad? Pretty much around the fourth or fifth grade, of course, being around DFW, being from Grapevine. Yeah, good area. My dad also part-time working for the airlines. Uh, he would kind of... Uh, Introduced me here and there to different plane spotting places, and we'd go out and watch planes all day. That's right, because when we were up there, he showed me a whole bunch that were really neat. Yeah, we did. around the airport. That was you know, cool. his his dad worked out of, uh, or my grandpa, he worked out of, well, originally Lovefield and then DFW for Braniff, so that's what got my dad into it. Oh, that's uh, right. So my dad kind of always been traveling since he was like 17, 18, and Kind of passed it on to me. Um, did your dad ever want to fly? No, he didn't. Of course, you know, back then flying was just so expensive. It's still expensive yeah, now. It, it was only it was the a military, different time back right. then. Like you only uh, flew if you came from the military. Right. But that, that was like the common theme back then. But no, uh, you know, he at a young age just bringing me around planes. And there's specifically at, uh, at DFW. So it was the old Founders Plaza, uh, which was on the east side of the airport, and they had a taxiway that go right in front of it. And I remember... It was on the east side. Where on the east side? It used to be on... Uh, it was right next to that bridge. Uh, not exactly sure, but it, yeah, it was on the east side. It was near Hangar... I don't know if that's Hangar 1 or 2 for American, but it's on, it's on the east side. Uh, where, where they have the really large ones, huh? Yeah. Uh, actually, well, that's, I think that's the west side, but the east side's like the... I think that's where they do the A320s and stuff. Gotcha. I mean, they do have big ones over there. Man, that's really neat that, like, Founders was totally different before. And, I mean, think about it. For the people that don't know what Founders is, it's uh, the great plane spotting place at DFW. Because when I first moved there, that was, like, one of the first places I ever found. And it was really cool because you get up really close to the airplanes. You get to see them left and right. And there's really not an airport that has well, anything like it. American Just leave it at Dallas to do it right. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. American yep, the, uh, the old, the old place shut down. Ah, oh, gosh, I would say... Were you a kid when it shut down? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say so. Um, I just don't know how many years ago it was. Uh -huh. But, yeah, it's that was, like, growing up for me. That's where my dad would take me. Planes would taxi in front of me. They'd wave at me. Yeah. Other taxis. So that was the thing that was kind of cool to me. But, uh, of course, the flight benefits on Continental. Uh, that's who he worked for. Uh, uh, before they got swallowed Yeah, up. so we'd go on flights, you know, uh, here and there. And I just remember one day getting on a plane, probably, I think it was in the fourth, fifth grade, and go over in the cockpit, and I just, <laughs> I'm sitting there, because, you know, when you board the plane, everybody takes forever to sit down and whatnot. Right, yeah. And so I look left, and I'm just looking at this uh, first officer, and I look left, and I see the pedestal, 
And I look up even more. I'm like, oh, my God. it's a lot of buttons there. <laughs> I was like, I kind of want to do that, you know? As a kid, you want to touch every button possible. So that I guess that kind of stuck with me there. Wait, when uh, you do that, do they ever like, hey, come out to the front or anything like that? Uh, or do they give you the wings? Later on, you know, because I usually fly with my dad as a kid. Right. Like, Dad, do you think you can get me up there? And he'd be like, yeah, let me see. And so yeah, there was a few times I'd go up to the cockpit. You know, you know I always had good experiences. Like, you know, it was different before 9-11. It was different. You go check it out. They didn't mind. I mean, it was a different type of flying because I definitely yeah. remember that they were cool. I don't think I ever actually jumped up when I was a kid, but I know I always, like, looked inside and the guys would talk to me and stuff like that. Or they'd give out the plastic wings. That was really cool. Yeah, that was a common yeah. thing back then. I don't yeah. even know that they do that anymore. You know, I talked to, uh, when I was back teaching, there was some guy I was talking to. I think he was an American pilot. And he told me that I think they do. They're just not as common as they used to be. But, dang, definitely, like, in the 90s and early 2000s, they used to give out those wings left and right. And that was really cool. That was the thing that the airline wanted to do. They wanted to, like, oh, hey, introduce this to, like, the new generation of flying and all yeah. that, you know? And I always remember those wings. And those are really cool. I had so many. <laughs> yeah, I got a few cool ones, like, older ones and whatnot. Right. So, yeah, that was kind of early stages of me. Yeah, you know, it's crazy, now, in line, you know? it's crazy now uh, being uh, 24 years old Roger, yeah, and, and chasing that same dream since the fifth grade. Right, right, since you're a child. Oh, definitely. Because I've definitely talked about we're currently doing points of an eight. And Roger, and for traffic to the south, you can just maintain mod point seven, seven or less. Roger, seven, seven or less. Thank you. No, but like I've mentioned in, in previous episodes was, yeah, I mean, that's basically what did it for me, too, was I got interested as a kid, and I did it from there, but it, it's really neat that you realize that you had this goal and this dream as a child, and you just follow through with it as an adult now. Not to mention how, how much time and work and effort it took to get there, right? You, particularly, I wanted to talk to you about all this because you did it different than I did. I did everything, like, 61. And it was all self-paced, and granted, I did it all, like, within roughly a couple months and definitely within a year, but for you, you did the 141 program yeah. in particular, so you grew up up there in Dallas and all that good stuff, but then you did all your flight training out of Addison in Texas. You decided to go to that school and do it, and, and walk us through that, huh? When I started going to college, there was one day... I don't even remember. I think I was getting, I was at discount tire getting my tires rotated. Okay. And out of all, you know, my mom texts me, this friend couple, or I guess they were actually married, and he's a captain at American, oh. and she's a flight attendant. I see. And yeah. so I guess they they had known that I wanted to be a pilot, you know, because the hardest thing was developing the money to be, even become a pilot. Oh, Especially right. getting your private, it's, you know. It's you always see, the two challenges, you right? See, you see the $10,000 laid out there, which is just, you know. Not, it used to be ten thousand yeah, dollars. That's a base price, right? That's that's around the time, you know, five, four or five years ago. That's what people were telling you. That's how they'd get you in is low ten thousand dollars. But <laughs> in the end, in a perfect world, it's going to be around probably. And uh, let's see, fourteen thousand probably. Good. How long have I been flying now? About ten years. And then you've been doing this for a while as yourself. Four or five years, yeah. Right, but I mean, it used to be around ten grand that you get you first license. What way back then, like? But now it's it's man, it's gone up so much. It has. But there's always the struggle, right? It's always the time and money. You know, either you don't have the time or you don't have the money. Especially yeah, like out of high school, you're eighteen, do you have ten grand just throwing your train? Not to mention well, if it goes over that, right? Well I'll tell you, I was reading the other day, becoming a pilot, trying to get in this profession, it is one of the uh if it's not the first, it's the second most dropped career path yeah. ever. So people, you know, they start right. and they just can't finish. Um it's it's a it's a lot on 
people, especially if they're not fully committed in or understand fully right. that. And we saw that firsthand all the time because you were an instructor just like I was. That's how we built most of our hours. But how many times did you see people or you have people that, you know, do the talk? They talk big. They say they're going to do this, say they're going to do that. They're, they actually seem like they're good pilots, right? Yeah. But then you start doing some training with them and they, they just totally disappear. Oh, yeah, they're gone. Um, yeah. Being, especially being at a, at the time, like, uh, at a 141 school when before COVID when a lot of people right. were actually out about flight training, uh, yeah, I saw, saw it here and there. Every class that came through, there seemed to be at least one or two people that just, you know, couldn't, it just wasn't their lifestyle. And uh -huh. it's not necessarily that they, you know, had had problems learning or, you know, struggled in any other aspect. It's just, you know, sometimes it wasn't their kind of scheduling. Sometimes it was just they lack confidence that they could even make uh, it all the way through because it's just, you know, the first two weeks private seems so hard. And it's, you know, the thing is that there's a lot to it, especially when you're taking your private. Yeah, it's you're just, just getting different. into it. It's a whole other language you're learning, and it's just being thrown at you. It's like you got to pick it all up. It's different, but you know, I think I think it's an intimidation factor for a lot of people that yeah. they're like, oh wow, I'm doing it now, but can I actually do it? Yeah, because they kind of there's roadblocks, right? Because they realize, okay, I got my private, but they spent so many months doing that, and then they're like, damn, instrument, the commercial, then it, it almost seems like it's not ending, and it does end, but it's not going to be overnight. Thirty-two process. Yeah, and I saw that all the time too, where people want to do it overnight, like, oh yeah, I want to go fly the biggest jet you know, out there, it's multi-million dollar right. jet. It's like, it definitely doesn't just happen overnight. It takes a lot but, of time. Yeah, so to get back into that, um, so yeah, uh, my mom texted me, she said, hey, the American Airlines, or American Airlines opened up a cadet academy for uh, pilots, provides them with pay and stuff. And I'm like, really? And so I took a look at it, and it was, you know, at the time, it was brand new, right? They were talking about how how many applicants they receive a month, and you know, all these qualifications at the time, and so it's it seemed pretty difficult, you know, for the amount of the application pool for me to even get that. It's like you know, oh, were they really selective about the people they accepted? Uh, yeah, they were. Oh, interesting. And I think they what they only took like a hundred something, hundred twenty, hundred thirty people for a whole entire year, and those like what I was told was eight thousand applicants a month. Oh wow. That seems like a large number, so I'm not 100% sure if that was accurate information provided to me. But I would, to an extent, believe that also just because there's a lot of people trying or at least believing that they can be aviators out there, which uh, can if you put like your you're mind to saying, it. Like five years ago, it was right before COVID, right? Fight uh, instructing and training was at a definitely an all-time high because, of course, everybody's talking about the pilot shortages out there, right? Yeah, so it was an eye-catcher, especially... Uh, uh, you know, the biggest the biggest thing I saw, too, was you know, kids of sons, daughters of pilots who are already at the airlines. That's right. Their parents be like, hey, right now is the time to fly. Let's get you in. Let's get you through this. Yep. You can go to, you know, any regional. It's typical, you know, regional, mainline, career, money. So there was a lot of push for it. Some people it was yeah. not good on. And that's, there was the mad race to, to get your number, punch your ticket, and get in the door. I remember that. That was all right before COVID. Um, so, yeah, you saw a lot of people. You, you could tell the people that didn't want to, but their parents kind of, you know, that were pilots. Oh, they'd push them uh, through it, They'd huh? push them. They'd really push them. Yeah, see, and that's, I guess, that's stuff you would see definitely at a 141 school. Or yeah. What I did my training at a, one, at a 61. I think there was maybe one guy that his father was a pilot for American, but, you know, it wasn't something so common. 
you know, I, I can imagine how those guys, especially uh, them as airline pilots that did it years ago, they're like, oh, I want to send my kid to the best school there is out there. So, you know, I guess whatever, but does the best advertising. Right. But in reality, the curriculum from uh, 141 to 61 isn't all that different. Still get the same information, it's just structured totally different. Oh, yeah, it's a, uh, it could be a war zone at times. It can be stuff going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, because how long, how many years were you at Flyers? Uh, I was there for a total of three. Um, three years, whole, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a little bit over a year for the, Southwest what they say, Zero to Hero. Oh, that's right, so how does that program all, work? Yeah, so, like, so from Zero to Multi, yeah, so, so first of all, uh, and backtracking a little bit, um, being American Airlines cadet, I eventually did get accepted months down the road. American uh, 769. I found myself 360. In, uh, in the classroom with, I had 12, uh, there was 12 of us in our class. Uh, the other classes had had, you know, 18, 20, 20 people. Oh, wow, so, here's so we had a smaller one. Yep. And uh, we were a solid class. And, um, yeah, so on day one, we, got, we really got into it, and uh, American Airlines they pretty much have it planned out uh, of what we have to do. We have to meet deadlines, right? Uh -huh. And uh, of course, our chief pilot at the time, she would pretty much lay out everybody's program. She did a really good job at that looking out. But I can tell you at the same time, running a 141 school that's not primarily for the American Airlines Cadet Academy, it gets challenging because you have, you know, for instance, flyers, we have the international at the south location, which is that's where right. Airline Academy is. We have international students. Yeah. Then we have the Cadet Academy. And then we have, you know, X amount of Cessnas, so maintenance is becoming a problem, right? Because everybody's trying yeah. to get, you know, everybody's trying to get through this. Uh, an expedited course, of course, that's what a lot of 141s are going for these days. Yeah, whether what they're ATP, right? flyers, yeah. uh, what a lot of people don't any consider. of these places, uh, they're really expediting the process. Uh -huh. So you're going to have planes going down, yeah. which is and a, that's was the a part struggle. that they don't ever like really clarify with you is not to mention the airplane but then the weather oh yeah oh, the weather just pushes you behind and that timeline they have there doesn't always hold true you gotta have some some buffer room built into that right american was really they, uh, they wanted things to be perfect as, as well as they could be which would make sense you know they want to get people through this program because they just started it they want to make sure yeah, it's succeeding right. I happened to be in the fourth class they ever had and we were being instructed by the people that, uh, that actually started it in the first class the started so did have some great instructors they were awesome now coming through the whole training process yeah so we would do about it was full-time of course right so you're there every day class in the morning Flights just whenever you can get them in because you know we have the international guys too, uh -huh. and other there's you know three two classes ahead of us, and so they're flying to, and those are big classes 18 20 people right so there's a lot of people trying to fly. Oh um, definitely, but yeah we you know of course start for private and I would say that took about two that we aim for two to three months with that I think to to finish up in private. Yeah, Damn. it was really fast, dude. Yeah, that's yeah. uh. That's quick, especially two months. I've seen it done in three, because one of my students, I was able to finish him up in three, and I mean, yeah. he was hitting it hard, but oh, two we, months, we wow. pretty hard there. Then after that, of course, everybody would, they try to keep everybody on the same page, that way we can all start instrument at the same time, so. Yeah, I got it. We got through with that. I think the last private check ride was the day before we started instrument ground, which was good, so we were all, you know, together. Right. And uh, so we started instrument, 
And really, when you get into instrument, understanding that this is what I'm going to be using for the rest of my life. Yeah, because yeah, BFR flying, when they're just introducing you to it, it's, it's not like what you're going to be doing yeah. flying, flying so, a jet. So it's like you already know how to fly the plane. Now you're just learning, you know, power, you know, pitch plus power, performance, all these keys. That's something big we taught flyers. You know, we had performance profiles for approaches, and then, you know, you're starting to learn on the lingo of, you know, IFR, you know, loan route charts. Yeah. All the, you know. It's a whole different world all together. Stuff like that. Uh-huh. But you're like, okay, well, we know we're going to use all this. Of course, every stage is a building block to become a pilot, and you know you're going to take something with that for the rest of your life. Oh, well, absolutely. instruments one of those things you want to you want to make sure you know pretty much all of it. You like need the solid foundation there because that's what's yeah. going to take you from the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, really far. So a lot of us in the first few days were like, holy cow, you know, because class went by, you know, we're starting to get in our, uh, we would start off with the simulators. Uh-huh. You guys had the Redbirds? Uh, no, we had um, oh, really? Frascas. I don't know that one, really. Frascas, yeah, they're sta I mean, they're stationary. I know... Uh, we they're not the full motion. No, we're not full motion. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't yeah, know we had, that. We had the Frescas, um, FTDs. Okay. And they were pretty good. Yeah, yeah. They had their issues. I mean, they got their job done, right? Yeah, because well, that's basically what they need to do. Yeah, and they're certified by the FA. So, okay. uh, it just depends. You know, some 141 schools, they go all out. like to keep it within cost-friendly of not having because sims are expensive oh absolutely uh, i think even the frascas we have were like seventy thousand dollars a piece seriously yeah uh, they're expensive yeah because i know the redbird full motion sims those things those are up, up there. there at least the cost of like maybe one or two airplanes yeah it's cost usually usually any simulator for that particular airplane will be if not the same more than the plane right. that's the real plane itself yeah, it's nuts um, if you think about it because then they charge way less for it than the actual airplane so yeah. it takes a while for them to make their money back yeah, so we go through the phases there, and of course, I don't know if y'all do this at 61, but at 141s we do stage checks for our check rides. Yeah, so yeah. No, uh, that wasn't ever a thing. I did talk to a couple guys who would ask about that, like, oh, when do I have my my check or my stage check? And we didn't have anything structured like that, but me right. personally, I would kind of built those in. And oh. what I do is I just make sure another experienced instructor went and flew with that student at the particular time to make sure I didn't miss anything. So basically right. like a stage check, you know, but just making sure that all the bases were touched and I wasn't but, uh, missing anything. So, but I know 141 is really rigorous with that, right? Like it's, you have to pass it, but also you have to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's pretty much just two mock check rides before an actual check ride. But yeah, the first stage checks just to make sure you can go on. So for instance, an instrument, I'm trying to remember fully, it's been, a, it's been a minute. Yeah, so we'd start the sims after all of the sims were complete. So you do uh, tracking, inbound, outbound, or BAI at first. So basic attitude instrument. You'll learn how to scan your instruments. Then you'd move on to VOR tracking. This is all done the sim. Uh -huh. And after that, you get into non-precision, precision, and then holds. And we'd inquire across countries of these two. Um, holds was the last thing. After that, you'd do your APRA. If you were to pass that, you can move on into the plane and start practicing pretty much the same uh, flow into the plane. Uh, what's that APRA that you're talking about? Traffic, so that's, a stage, that's how they do stage checks in the flyers. They call it APRA for oh, stage check. Okay. So okay. some places it's like stage check one at flyers, it's APRA, and then APRB, the check rod. Yeah, because at the other school down that we had on the field, they would just call it stage check. They would just number it one through how many ever they needed to go through. Okay. Yeah, we only got we only did two unless like you didn't make it through, right. which was good because it, you know if you didn't make it through that, it's not a, it's not on your record or anything. It's just hey, you know. Yeah, compared to like the ride itself. Right. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah, so we got through instrument. Everybody got done around the same time. Instruments, it was a fun one. That was a fun track ride. Then, you know, we move on to commercial right after that. Kind of, it was a weird It was a weird thing they did for us because right when we started commercial, it was like, you know, we're also starting multi. You know, we had like one ground for multi, like big classroom setting, and that was months out before our check ride. Yeah, so they're was. really shoving so we were, this down at so, you guys quick. Yeah, it's, it's nonstop, and, and they need, you know, they need to make you know make American Airlines happy at the same time of too, course. right? To keep the program oh, yeah. going. Yeah, to keep the uh, funds coming in. And that's and a everything. lot of places either way, because they're just they have you know they have classes coming through all year long now. It's just like every other month, and uh, so yeah, they were trying to make American Airlines happy, and, and it was, I think that's one we'll thing that I definitely see. <laughs> yeah, like just talk to you or better yet. Time pack of a Kirkland Center one three three point six five thirty three sixty five and Center. Good uh, morning three nine zero. So, one thing that I, I realized, yeah, I talked to you and then, like, other people about 141 is that it's really structured. That's always great. One thing that I was realizing as we, you know, taught just part 61 was it was up to the instructor to guide the student. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just some of them were unorganized. Instructors? And, yeah. And oh, not yeah. all of them knew what to do. They just kind of threw stuff out there and saw what stuck. It's like, Well, well that's, ah. the, you know, there's the instructor pull. You're going to get people that are fully committed to their students. Until yeah. they go to the airlines, and there's gonna be the right. ones that are just chasing, just trying to pump them out. Yeah. Right, but better, yeah, it's just just having an idea because one thing that I realized too, and you, I mean you've seen this too, not everybody learns the same. Oh yeah, and at different oh, yeah. paces, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I realized that when I was instructing, I had to change it up depending on the student. Like, hey, this person is catching everything really fast and just digesting it and being able to put it out. Oh, that's great. So it's like, let's push it. It is in the instructor's responsibility. Or it's, right. it's somewhere in those FOIs. It, you know, yeah. It's pretty much instructor's responsibility. Maybe it's not written anywhere, but it's, it's, every, it's, it's, but it's one of those unspoken things that they do. And that's something I saw all the time that people really wouldn't like put much time and effort into, well, this guy's not doing so great. You know, for American and what they'll do is just kind of shove whatever they wanted out of it. That always didn't work for them. Or it, it sounds like there's a lot more structure in 141, which is great, but at the same time, what happens if they're getting behind? Where in 141 school? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's it. It can be really if you get behind just a little bit. Which would happen to people in every class, you know, there's because right. you know, some people pick things up just 20, by yeah, looking at it. And, yeah, and, you know, some people, they go through class, and then the after class you're studying, it's like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. But you're already on to the next, you know, the next day you're you're going up. You, it's just, you know, insert the fire hose, turn off all blast, and right. take it as is, try your best. But, yeah, those people that would, you know, need a little extra time, it, it, would, it would tear them down because you just keep going. What happens if somebody fell so far? Are behind? Were right. they holding them back, or are they just trying to push them through it? I had seen it. Typically, for the program, they would actually kick them out. Jesus. But I did see someone that did fall back, and they were able to transfer to our north north location, which was a 61. And but they still maintained being in the program. They were just on one on pretty much more of a one on one course, right? On okay. their schedule, not on their schedule. Still full time, but it was one-on-one -on -one training. Oh, interesting. Which is actually, you know, it's a good, it's a good thing. And I mean, so it he doesn't sound like a bad deal. It just kind of sucks out. You're not with your classmates, classmates anymore. anymore, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I had seen that with international students too. But some people get so distracted too. 
Yeah, there's a lot. So, but he went over there and completely uh, flipped it around. I think it's, it was a distraction for him being in a huge classroom, or not even a huge classroom, just a classroom setting, because we would, nine or one, Albuquerque, San you know, people would go off in tangents. Sorry, like, Hustler 901, I had the... Uh, some days we'd all be, off. I got you loud. You know, sorry, sorry about that. It just, you know, it could be really right, distracting. Just, just a large classroom, yeah, right? We all had, we all were all, like, we were all really close with each other. We all had a good time. And, uh, <laughs> Not to mention you're in a classroom full of pilots, right? Oh, yeah, I know. And we're all pretty much around the same age. So everybody's having a good time, but yeah, it just wasn't yeah. doing it um, So, yeah, the people that fell behind, it kind of, it would get kind of tough. Well, that's good that that guy was able to turn it around, not totally oh, yeah. just get kicked out from the program, because yeah. that'd be something else. But I'll tell you, too, I've seen it with you know, some of the international students, you know, a, a big thing is, you know, you have a bunch of guys in the class and the girl shows up, and next thing you know, they're all trying to impress the girl, and then they get distracted, and then they fall behind in class, you know, they fall behind because, you know, they're just chasing, they're chasing the dream, or they're chasing two dreams now or something. At the same time, it just gets tough for flight training, especially... For all the you know the high workload, uh -huh. you know, you're yeah. trying to well, there's a reason why when, when I did all my my training, I took out every distraction I could. You know, no relationships. I didn't even have definitely no cable TV or anything like that. Uh, at one point, oh, I actually I, didn't even have Wi-Fi anymore. Oh yeah, I, was, yeah, I canceled you my Wi-Fi. Fully committed. There's no, there's no doubt. They jumped up the price almost double on my Wi-Fi. So I'm like, I don't need it. I don't use it that much. I wasn't home that much at the time because I was working a lot. And what really worked out was that I had, you know, my hotspot on my phone or my iPad, so I didn't really need internet that bad. Because every night after work, I'd just come home and start reading and studying all my stuff, and that's how it was for months. That's how I got Direct Hotel Oscar Bravo and resume normal speed. Direct Hotel Oscar Bravo normal speed. American yeah, people would, you know, they would get behind. It seemed like every class, American you know, it's, just, it's okay to. So, but like you said, you guys started out with like 12 people in class, right? Did all 12 end up completing? Oh, so we, do gra we did graduations, right? Um, yeah, yeah. No, not all, not all 12 people were there. So you guys started with 12, and then what ended up being the final number? I would say the final number was one. Which, you know, is weird because I don't really, we don't know where he went. Well, you know, he was in the CFI Academy. And he did, oh, he just took off. So, you guys were like, yeah, 11? We've had family, like, internal issues with, you know, family things, personal things. Yeah. But he just, we, you know, he never finished training. Or maybe it was commercial. I don't know what he, commercial, I, there was something he never finished and he was just gone. So, yeah, we lost one. I think we just lost one in our class from the start. So, yeah, we finished that's with 11 bad. technically. So, that's a pretty high pass rate. I got through. Okay. Um, other classes, you just would be one or two people that, you know, but okay. those, those people wouldn't want to try any harder than they thought they had to. So uh, you definitely have to, you know, it's competitive, you know, you get there. But what's nice having classmates versus, you know, 61 probably where it's just you. If you have questions, um, you yeah, go, well, people we'd to go bounce out to coffee shops, of, we'd go study. Right. And that was the other issue that OT 61, but what our school did. And this was toward the time I was about to leave, is that we started our own ground school, you know, for everybody to get together. We did like once or twice a week, and we, uh, the CFIs were responsible for teaching it. At, at first, some of them didn't really like the idea of it. And I thought, you know, why not? We get to make a little bit of money, and put this presentation together, and guess what? You get to get people together and help them out. It really wasn't that big deal. I actually enjoyed them. Some people actually hated them. It's like, why? If anything, it forces you to be a better instructor to go in and really know the topic if you're about to talk at, you know, 10, 12 people. So. Uh, yeah, that's really nice how you guys are able to just bounce ideas off back and forth. At the same time, this, uh, down the road, commercial comes after instrument, of course. Um, and multi at the same time. Uh -huh. 
you get through commercial truck ride. Next thing you know, you're in the you find yourself in the CFI Academy, American Flyers, uh, and that's the thing I've seen recently too, amongst uh, other 141 schools is two week CFI Academies, you know, four, yeah, 14 days to a month. And ours was a month, but it was every day from like 6 a.m. to like you know 7 p.m. and I was long days. And then you start doing the double eye stuff there at the end. You have all, you know lesson plans you're having to create. It's it, those long days, right? And you're having to teach. Leaves you plenty. And then at the same time, you know, you're doing those check rides. You get done with that, and then you're doing multi. It's it was it was a lot there at the end. It really was. That's not to say, you know, it's it's not for everybody. The fast pace. Um, right. um, yeah, it takes a special individual. And there was times I wish I wish it was brought down a notch. That way I could you know fully grasp because that's the thing. Uh, there's areas you're not going to fully be able to grasp because yeah. it's just gonna move on and you're going to forget about it. Right. And there's there's times I was like, you know, these are key things. And so I'd go, you know, I'd go home and read about it, but I'm like, okay, do I fully understand? Yeah, do you feel and absolutely comfortable what with I would, it? What, usually what I would do, and I would even do this as an instructor is because, you know, we don't know everything. We're always learning every day. Yeah. Even our students sometimes teach us stuff. Uh -huh. And so I would have a notepad and I would write down bullet points or I'd use my phone and put down bullet points of things I can go home and, you know, read. Go check up on, yeah. right? Yeah. So that was a common thing I would do, and uh, that was that's kind of how I'd fill the gap if I didn't know something, you know, whether it was moving on in class or yeah. being out on the line as an instructor. But, yeah, there, I would say even for myself, there was times I wish we could just maybe Slow down, take, take a take breather, a, huh? Yeah, and the, I think everybody else could say the same for different aspects of their training. Uh -huh. So the, the thing about these Zero to Hero 141 programs is, yes, it's producing pilot, and it's producing pilot's Fast, definitely to is. beat the demand. Kind of see it through the, the uh, you know, 61. How much money did you spend for flight training? Oh yeah, it, it's nothing compared to what it is on a 141. I was yeah, around 50, Royal not 55,000. I was all set. Uh, but granted, uh, that was hang out with me for just one more minute. In a period of several years, you know, where it took me a long time to get my private. Where 141, it's shoved right through, and you do it pretty quick, which is great. But right. it took me a long time to get my private. But then after that, my instrument to my CF double instructor yeah, instrument. I mean, it took me about eight months to finish all those. Uh, there were uh, eight nine there. months, right? That was 29.69. Got you. It was a huge. Yes, money issue for me to get started, but, you, got any you know, once you're there, it, it, you have to keep them going back to back and back. And that's what I know they do at a 141 yeah, to make sure that that rhythm keeps bit. going. But yeah, then, like you're saying, every once in a while you got to take a breather, huh? All right. Yeah, so it was about 87000 for, and if you need, and this is the thing with the American Airlines program is they will give you, uh, I don't know if they still use Discover, but they will provide you with a full flight training loan, and they will include expenses of that. So some people were taking out $100,000 loans, which I think at the time was max, and now I think it's... Minimum is a hundred thousand. Uh, it's a very exp it's the prices have gone up, of course. But yeah, it was eighty seven thousand when I started, and the interest is pretty good on it. So you know. But, but what they, people don't understand is how yeah they advertise this loan to you, right? Right. But this loan is a personal loan. It's not I actual. Know. It doesn't go through as like education. It's not a student loan. Uh-uh, no. So interest rates are November different. Deepa, Terms are different. And they're always personal loans because I, I had to do mine. And it wasn't a big issue because they weren't anywhere near, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000. They're all right. below. Yeah, personal loans are a little bit more tougher to get, especially when you're young. You don't have the credit or the history for it. Yeah. Really, in the end, you know, if a 141 school these days, I could see them all being up, you know, past sixty thousand yeah. dollars. And you know, some people probably question, well, how am I going to afford this? That, I was in that same boat, and so, you know, I was in college trying to work just to get private, and then you know, American Airlines uh, grateful for them. It kind of changed things because of, they allowed that loan for me to get all my ratings done in yeah. what was aimed to be a year. 
which is fine. And I tell you again, there's, you know, there's going to be moments if people choose to do this or go down that path. It's it, There's going to be times, and that's really any training, you know, through the blood, sweat, tears is what people have said. You want to pull your hair out. There'll be times you just want to freaking let it out because it's just so it's much a and a lot, right? Yeah, I think that's, that's my training. training. That's my training. So miles it's a good experience being in a class setting because you just have so many people on your back. You get done with the check ride. Everybody's there to congratulate you. Yeah, it's a it's a fun thing. You go out and eat with the show. You get to know a lot of people, and then next thing you know, everybody's just gone their own ways. And uh, it's cool because you can touch up and be like, oh hey, what are you doing? Oh yeah, I'm flying. You know, so and so. Oh, I'm at the airlines now. It's cool to start seeing my classmates move on. Yeah, what are the majority of them doing? A few are still flight instructing because you know COVID really slowed a lot of people down. Yeah, got a few of them at SkyWest. Few 135. what we're doing, huh? I'm 135 now. You know, it's just you don't have to have 15. But you have to, you know, make some time flight instructing. I think starting flight instructing or even going pipelines. And I could, I guess I could speak both sides on that is, you know, flight instructing, you're going to stay a little bit more proficient in your, in your, your knowledge. You know, as a flight instructor, you're not hands-on flying as much as you would if you're a pipeline. Yeah. So if you that to, is true, yeah. Uh -huh. If you want to maintain more stick and rudder skills, and that's not to say, you know, like, a pilot can carry that with them, right? Hey, well, if you could do it over, would you want to be a flight instructor or would you not? If I could do it over again... What do you think? I think personally, contact center one three four point seven. I think personally, I would have gone pipeline or somewhere in the in the midst of that. Uh, you would have changed it, it then, it's or, or do you I, think that just because you would want to try it? Never getting the chance of trying it, I guess. It's funny that you bring, that you mentioned that because I was out and uh, John Wayne like last week. I was out there with Eric when we were just waiting for our passenger to show up. One of the line guys came and talked to us, and he was asking us. He's like, "Hey, you know, how's it going?" And you know, every once in a while, people come talk to us. They want to see our perspective, especially when they see that we're a little bit younger. You know, we're not the typical guy flying the jet that's I don't know, 50, 60 years old. Yeah, we don't have gray hairs yet. <laughs> exactly, we're a little bit younger, so it's kind of funny. You just start asking all these questions, and then I'm like, you fly too, don't you? He's like, yeah, man, I'm, I got my commercial. I just I don't know what to do. And he's been putting off being an instructor for, I think, like five, four right. or five years. I was like, jeez, man, you got to get it done already. It's like, well, how'd you guys do? It's like, of course, we were just we we're flight instructors. You knock out a ton of time like I mean, that, like you 16, said, to become proficient. Right. But I think what a lot of people fail to realize is when you skip being an instructor, you skip out on that huge development in yourself as a pilot. But well, at some you, point, you got to mentor. You're going to be in a jet. You have to mentor that other guy. Well, you are. Here's the thing, too. You can, you know, we're always going to need instructors, right? Oh, Displace yeah. your knowledge right. so the people can learn, right? Yeah. You can also take it with yourself, you know, build up, you know, your flight skills, your flying skills, because it's all, it's only you in the plane. You're doing these pipeline flights all day. You're getting a bunch of hours in a month. Right. Heck, you're doing yeah. like 20 hours a week. Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't uh, think more than that. Probably more, yeah. you know, it might be more. <laughs> A flight time, at least, and it's so you're you're. It's a lot of single pilot flying where you're building a lot of that experience, hand flying and stuff. And you're getting some, you know, really good weather scenarios too. In that case, true. Uh, so I think if you're going to build yourself as but, a flying character, uh -huh. uh, pipelines are actually pretty good. But of course, we're yeah. always going to need flight instructors, and in that there's right. nothing wrong with either or because flight instructing, you're going to always you're always going to be learning. You're always going to be in the you know, yeah. the and, and like I was mentioning, I just think it's a huge part of your development as a pilot. You skip out on it, and a lot of people just learn to gloss over it. Now, granted, yeah. it's not for everybody. Heck, no. Right. No, not everybody should be instructors because there's some people that are just terrible. Like, how did you? How are you here? That just can't teach. Yeah. And, and no. Not everybody's meant to be teachers exactly. either. It's not their fault. They're just yeah. not teachers. But uh, when I think back to when I was fl uh, flight instructing, I did a lot of flying myself too, though. And I guess that isn't the case for all flight instructors, right? 
But I did a lot of flying by myself, either, you know, breaking in new engines, because for some reason, the boss at the school's like, all right, man, you're the guy. So what happened is I got lucky with one or two. <laughs> but one or two, and then they broke in really well. And then after he's like, all right, you're my good luck charm. You're breaking in every single one. So I broke in the whole fleet of the school, man. I think it ended up being like seven or eight engines. <laughs> They're overall, he's like, here you go. And I'm like, oh, great. But then, like, me and, and the girlfriend, we just made a trip out of it, breaking in the engine, flew all over Texas. It was always a good time. I did a ton I'm of flying by myself, but then also like all my multi-training, you know? Right. So I never stopped actually flying, where I know some instructors, once they get to their CFI, they're done. They will never touch an airplane again until they're doing their, you know, ATP stuff. Yeah. And that is nuts to me, because like, you don't you want to go out there and just enjoy a flight? I know, granted, money's always the issue there, because, you know, maybe they're making enough just to make it by, and they don't have November extra income to go fly. It's, it's pricey. It's hard. It really makes you think, huh? If you could do it all over, how would you do it differently? How would I do it differently? Contact, uh, contact Fort Worth Center, 132.07. Have a good one. I could do it over again, you know. Yeah, what would you do differently if you do it? Because I've thought about this in the past. Well, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs in flight training, no Absolutely. matter where you go, right? And to have a bunch of classmates along there with you, it was a good time, you know. Have yeah, because they definitely pull you through it, huh? Yeah. Uh -huh. Even And you can also help pull them through. It's just a whole, right. you know, you're all in it for the same goal, right? We're all right, trying right. to become the best yeah, of ourselves. Yeah, career pilots, huh? Career pilots, right? Especially for something that's a, that expensive to get into. You don't want to fail yourself. Yeah. So I think through all the, everything I've learned, everything I've learned and all the, you know, and all the days we went through, really wouldn't change it too much. I think if there's one thing I could change, it'd be maybe the structure of, like, you know, the organization of the program itself. And and, and that really comes down to how the school handled it. I, I, I know that a lot of planes are flying at the same time. Uh, when you're running a multi-program, when you start it with one ground school and then you're doing one flight a month for, you know, it just, there's things here and there. And you're going to get that in a lot of 141 schools is uh, the consistency. The huh? consistency is always going to be scattered. I've heard things of other 141 schools, the flyers, it has a, very well had its own things that people weren't happy about. Yeah, you hear, you hear the story a lot, 141, you know? Yeah, but you're going to hear not, that a lot it's, of places. It's ATP, it's flyers, yeah. it's, it's all the big ones. Yep. And, and that's not, there's some really good 141 schools out there. Yeah, yeah same thing with like, your mom and pop, 61, yeah. you know? And there's some they're, really good, yeah. They're, they're going to be totally different. Some of them work so much better than others and, and vice versa, so. But the 141's good and structure-wise, they take care, you know, all the paperwork, stuff like that. That's all Break documented. It's, it's, yeah. it's good, you know, it's good for you because you just get through with less problems, Break I guess you could say. Uh, but if I could go back, it would be the structure. It would be the structure and the organization of the programs itself. Um, just now the natural, you know, the natural scatteredness of weather, you know, broken airplanes, that's going to be Oh, that's common. all part of the game. Um, but that's when it comes to the structure, it's, there's things that, Every pilot's going to look for differently. Like, oh, I want to be flying these days, you know, or I think I should be flying every day, and that's just yeah, it's unrealistic. It's unrealistic, right? Because I remember that, like, just standing there in the in the office, these guys would come in, they're like, hey, I want to fly, I'm going to fly so fast, I'm going to fly every day. Yeah. It's like, well, if you're going to fly that much every other day, is about as much as you want to do, because you can't just retain it all. Right. A lot of people forget that flying is all a mental game. It's not physical, really, at all. That's all it is. Uh huh. And people get become very fatigued very quickly. <laughs> That's true. But right now, you're about to leave after we had some great overnights. We've had some <laughs> great overnights. <laughs> we had some Just really got good done with Monterey, California. I know, right? Spent a couple nights right over there. We've done Boston. We've done Puerto Rico. What else did you and I do? We're just talking about this. 
Oh, yeah, that's right, New York. New York. New York, that was our first one. That's right. That was Beginning the first of the one. Year, back yeah, in we February. Some... Yeah, we had some solid trips this year. You know, I think that's what I love about 135 so much is you don't have to wait till you're super senior to, you know, just get a, a decent overnight. Right. Especially you for know. a couple nights, get a, you know, get a rental car, go out and see stuff just like, you know, this yeah. past week. And we've right. went down south, north on Highway 1 Cali, did some uh, hiking checked out some great views and uh yeah see, that's, that's what i food. love about 135 flying you get all this kind of stuff yeah. where 121 you gotta wait yeah, 30, and, 20, you know, like i said i don't really have any desire at the moment maybe it'll change in a couple years but to go 121 i really don't have any i'm perfectly fine doing 135 the lifestyle and everything we have going is just too good to pass up so but you're gonna go up here in dallas you're gonna be flying the xl citation xl now so it'll be interesting to see how that viewpoint changes for you. Yeah, it'll be a little bit slower. Yeah, yeah, it'll cause rotations for a reason. It'll be a, uh, <laughs> a little bit slower on the climb out, too. You know, it's, that's uh, okay. Yeah, you know, something about holding 7,000 feet a minute on the VSI, right? Okay, that's well, maybe I want to be hour building. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Hey, well, you do build a lot more time in the citation, that's for sure. Yeah. You yeah. know, citation, our, our citation uh, excels are Dude, they're pretty sweet. Yeah, I like, I like the the setup on the inside. I like them a lot better than our layers. Yeah, I really like the way they're set up with the galley and then the seat configuration. I think I can truly stand up completely. It has that uh, the aisle indention. So I right. think yeah, I think like I can layer. stand up and yeah. my hair just grazes the top versus the layer where I have to kind of <laughs> I hit my head on the seatbelt signs all the time, but. I don't know. That, you know, you start in Cessnas, you're always hitting your head, and then you get in the Leer. Oh, it's like no different. You know, jets yeah. are actually worse. You hit them on the... Well, not to mention up top, right? Up here in the cockpit, there really isn't much room for anything. But at the same time, this airplane's only about a four-hour... You can make it a five-hour airplane, but it just hurts at that point. Yeah. So how, what's the kind of range on the XL it has? Do you know? I think it's around... It's a little bit less than this, right? It holds, it holds less, but I can't remember the exact. I've been reading about it. No worries. When I was realizing, since I'm about to go to Hawker School in the next couple months, i got to start brushing up on all that, making sure I know what I'm doing there. Have you seen anything good on it? You know, it's really similar to the uh, to the Lear. Yeah, it's, it's pretty similar. One thing, I was I was watching this video about it, actually, and I thought this was really cool, but the engines, that it has, it has some Honeywell engines on it, okay? Honeywell engines? Yeah, yeah. But check this out. Turns out, one of those engines was actually supposed to be an EPU for the DC-10. Really? Yeah, yeah, put that into perspective, huh? So, an engine for the whole jet was supposed to be the EPU. <laughs> oh, the way that works, huh? Oh, my, well, crap. <laughs> That's a big airplane. <laughs> looking. So, but I'm excited to do that. It'll be good to pick up another type rating. It goes back to, all right, got to start learning something new all over again. Yeah, I know. Systems, memory items, limitations, all that stuff. So that'll be good. But all right, on, man. Well, hopefully all goes well for you up there in Dallas. It'll be good for you to be back oh, home, yeah. huh? That's two type ratings, two years, you know. It's yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a good roll. Two mid-sized jets. It's uh -huh. it's gonna be. The, the, I think the thing is similar but different layouts. You know, it's. Uh, should be mostly food. That, uh, yeah. No, just should system. be too bad at all. That'll be good, man. Fun times. Yeah. Absolutely. It'll, it'll be different being up in Dallas. We had a great, you know, it was fun working with a great crew. 
I hope we start doing more of the medicals where, you know, all the airplanes go out, you know, for like a full case. Yeah, it's been a minute since I, you know, uh -huh. we used, and that's like when I started, that's what yeah. usually it was like. Right. Yeah, like all the XLs would go out, and then you have two Lears out there. That's just a bunch of lone wolves. We're just uh, out there doing our own thing. That's what made it fun, because uh, a bunch of us as delinquents you know, would just like walk into six, the restaurant. Six pilots at a restaurant, <laughs> exactly. like... In the middle of nowhere, everybody's like, well, who are these guys? I know, we all walk into the restaurant, not to mention how many to-goers that we have. Oh, my right? gosh. Because like each of us had a crew, a med team of, what, like five? So you have five per airplane. There's three airplanes there, six pilots. God, that became a really big ticket. Yeah, very fast. We've, I've seen some numbers and dollar signs for uh, food to food yeah. orders yeah but those are always fun I, I wish we did more of them but it's just the way things are changing right now hopefully we'll start picking back up with those and start really knocking them out that'd be really good i hope you guys enjoyed that episode 2023 we'll be trying out some new different ways to bring you this audio a huge thank you to zach for coming on to the show and if you guys have any questions about anything that you heard you can send me an email at the pilot life podcast at gmail.com don't forget to follow us on TikTok and on Instagram. I'll talk to you guys on the next one.